Yeah, I'm so glad to be here on this day. This is so great. My wife and I were a little geeking out because she is an urban farmer gardener. And you used her language for the prophetic kind of declaration oh. that you have for the body. Oh. And just being Hold here on for to those. all this time, since the beginning, coming, you know, when you guys first got the building and had the, the party about it, and just being able to come over the years, you have to realize how special this is. And it's not only special because of you guys as the family that are here, but it's so hard to plant anything that sustains with the presence of God still moving after the initial season and actually lasts and brings this level of fruit in people's lives, this level of connection to people's hearts. You guys are a rare breed, and this is really a beautiful thing. I love every time I hear about what's going on, like Phil reached out to me right when the pandemic was starting. He goes, we're having the best times of our life on Sunday. I mean, there's one with roller skates. you got to come down here and see this. Jeez, this is crazy. And it was so encouraging because, I don't know if you know this, but I'm from L.A. So in L.A., we don't have people on roller skates, and we don't have a lot of open churches, and we don't have – it's just been really hard because people don't know how to handle this. And I think of Sean Foyt and I have been around so many nations together. I think I've had malaria like seven times. So when, when coronavirus came around, I'm like, I'm not at risk. I, I almost died like so many times, it's okay. Like coronavirus is a flu for me, I'm not worried about it. But it's hard to be in a culture where the whole nation was worried about something. And it really spoke to something. If you look at the last great move of God, and you guys should be able to see it more than anybody else in the nation because it started here. It was the Jesus people, but it was the last worldwide move of God other than what's happening right now. There's more people being saved today in the world than there ever has been in history. But it's happening, and I love that, yeah, it's important. But it's happening outside of our world. It's happening outside of the West world. So we don't see it, and we don't get the fruit of it. We don't get to hear the testimony of it every day. So in the Middle East and China, there's more people being saved every day than there was in the entire Jesus people movement put together over four years for every year. So like for the last two years. So there, it's just crazy there. It's crazy. But we don't see that every day. So the Jesus people movement, though, I want to just paint a picture because... We're kind of there again. The, the 13 to 15 years before the Jesus People Movement, people were so oppressed in what we called nuclear family and what we called society that some, some rebellion happened, iniquity and lawlessness, some of the stuff that Bill's even talked about and written about in his book, and I know you guys understand this. There's like a season where it was oppressed and dark, and it got so dark culturally that a lot of the charismatic Pentecostal churches said, Jesus is returning and put days on it. That was pretty fun. And, uh, <laughs> it's, we were in the rapture in the last days. It's going to happen. They had no faith that there could be a move of God that actually brought an aspect of who God is to culture and began to address what revival really looks like, which was family, marriage, nuclear family, marriage, you know, love. This kind of love revolution was coming, but not just the hippie movement. And at that time, the most unreached people group were the hippies to the degree that Chuck Smith down here, Calvary Chapel leader Chuck Smith, said in one of his sermons, three weeks before Lonnie Frisbee, the hippie came, he said, the hippies will never be able to be reached. You can listen to this. This is on YouTube. They will never be able to be reached. They're an unreachable group. We've given up on them. This is the man that hosted the entire Jesus people movement like it started from his church. But because there had been such a dark period for so long, people in their hearts didn't have hope because they couldn't see next year, the year after, the year after. They saw politics being crazy, the Vietnam War, we just kind of came out of that. They, you know, the, the free love movement, sexuality was being so perverted. So many things were happening, the free drug culture. So when you're dealing with year one, that was hard. Year five, that was hard. Year 10, it was like hopeless for a lot of people, including the church. There was not a lot of churches that were speaking about what God could do, wanted to do. They weren't practicing who God was. There wasn't a spirit of God can do anything in the church. Then Jesus came. 
And he came to the least likely people group that everybody in the church had already cast out and said, that's not going to work anyways, who had no resources. They had no money. They had no real influence to give. And he said, I'm going to choose these ones to be the catalyst. Now, they weren't, it wasn't limited to them, but these ones are going to be the catalyst for what's about to come. And I feel like we've been in kind of a dark period nationally and then also in the world. And a lot of people have lost hope in who God is and what he can do in one day, in one month, in one year. Because right after, you know, nuclear family right now, we're down to 8% in the nation of nuclear family right now. I've never heard of this before, except for the other time that was true was in the Jesus people movement right before that. In that 13, 15 years of darkness, nuclear family went down to about 8 to 10% in the nation for the first time in the nation's history. Divorce was at a rampant all-time high. It was crazy. And so we're at that place again. But what happened in the Jesus people movement is that nuclear family went all the way up to 46% for a decade. So something happened where the hearts of people turned back to and reverted to how they were wired in God to thrive and succeed, which is in the context of relationship, family. Churches grew. 85% of people who are pastoring today were saved in that period of time, the Jesus People Movement in America. So that's how big that movement was. It was was on the cover of Time magazine. 18 million people saved in America, 32 million people worldwide. And you look at a move of God like that, that changed statistics. It changed what people were crying out for who were lonely, who didn't know if sexuality this way or that way was right, who were drug addicted. And all of a sudden they, they cried out and God actually came. And for a lot of people who were in the church who'd been waiting for him to come, they didn't receive it when it first came because it looked weird. Now, why am I saying this? Because God's about to show up again in a big way. And we're about to see something in our nation. And you guys have to realize that during the period of the 1920s all the way until the 1980s, there were so many prophecies that were given over Orange County that are unfulfilled. They haven't happened yet. There was a move. And there's little moves and there's church-centric moves. I mean, the churches have wonderful things. I love Mariners. I love, you know, the, the different churches here that have had their, their, their beautiful services and communities and families. But when God moves the way we're talking about it, it's, it's over a region and a city, not over a church. And you guys got birthed for a city. You guys got birthed for a region, not for your local community only, which your local community is super important. I love how Tammy just, she knows you. She's like looking at you guys. Like your local community is, it is about that, but it's also about, and too, it's about something that's gonna happen here that God's gonna be doing that's gonna change statistics, that's gonna change behavior issues, that's gonna change political issues, that's gonna change, you're called influence church. Not just like, oh, let's have influence of God in our life so we can live the American dream, but let's live God's dream. I'm gonna read a scripture real fast. I think some of you will find yourself here. This is the Passion Translation, Proverbs 20, 24. It is the Lord who directs your life, yay. For each step you take is ordained by God to bring you closer to your destiny. And this is the part that we go, oh, I don't like that part. So much of your life then remains a mystery. Now, here's the hard part. When you surrendered your life to Jesus, and maybe you were a Christian a long time ago, but you only surrendered your life, your real life, like your days, your time, your career, your energy, your family, what you would spend your life on. When you, when you surrender that to Jesus, if you've done that, you're asking God to do something in your lifetime that your skills, your talents, your social economic status, your relational network cannot do for you. 
So you're asking God to come into your life. You're surrendering it, saying, not what I could do for myself, but what you want for your sake, Jesus. You're so glorious. You're so wonderful. You paid a price on the cross. I'm laying down what I could do for me and what I could do for the world, and I'm picking up what you can do. And then he says, yes. And then he takes you on the weirdest process that you would have never led yourself on ever, ever, ever. And you're like, I would have never done this. And he goes, yes, because he knows what you need when you get into greater levels of what he's called you to. And typically people go through like a 10-year kind of like a crash course with God when they really surrender their life to Jesus of a lot of complaining, a lot of questioning, a lot of mystery. And they're like, what in the heck is going on? And that's a huge question. But then there's a season of greater maturing. After that initial decade of really surrendering your life to Jesus, where I call it the great maturing, because all of a sudden you go, I like the ride. I like the benefit of what you bring me that I can't bring myself. I like the relationships I'm in because of you. I like the resources I have because of you. I like the life choices and the influence that I have that I wouldn't have had based on my education or based on what I could do for myself. I like the benefit of the kingdom. And I believe that many people in Orange County, many people in this region are there. They're saying, I like being surrendered to Jesus, but not all the moves are there. Not all the churches are there. Not all the other believers or fellowshipping are there. And God's about to gather the people who've surrendered and matured together. And this is one of the big places, big spots. He is gathering people who have maturity. He's gathering people who've already surrendered. He's gathering people. It doesn't mean that there's not a lot of new believers that will come, but he's gathering people together for right now, for such a time as this, because he's gonna do something so significant. There's a setup not only for a revival in Orange County that will affect the nation, but there's a, a setup for a government change, for a change over nuclear family. There's a setup for sexuality to be addressed from voices that won't bring shame and condemnation, but will look at people in different lifestyles that we're not used to and say, actually, just like the, the, the hippies were the Jesus people movement, you're the people who are going to come. God's going to release you where the rest of the church has said, well, you can go over to Satan because we don't know how to deal with you. We're going to look at him and say, God's going to bring revival through your lives. And it's really interesting because when you get involved in churches, and some of you have been involved in multiple churches, some of you might have just got saved here and you're here. But when you get involved in churches, something happens. The more close you get to leaders and community and really getting to know people, you start to see behind the curtain and you realize humans are humans. And you start to see weaknesses. And sometimes you even see where people have, you know, compromises and things and they're learning how to overcome. And, and sometimes, I mean, we all have a compromise in our life that goes on for our life and we get victories. But the like we need 300 victories instead of two. And we're like, you know, the average drug addict, it takes them seven rehab visits, like, or not just one visit, but seven rehab stints before they will make a decision to overcome their drugs, and especially prescription medicine because it's so hidden. And it, you think about that, and you think of the average Christian who has stuff, especially who has some maturity and knows they shouldn't have stuff, and how long it takes to overcome, especially if they're not in an intentional process to overcome. And you think of that, and so you, you meet people and you find out something about this group or this pastor or this church or this Christian who's doing you know, legal business or whatever. You hear something, and it's really interesting because when it's your child, your grandchild, your aunt, your uncle, your friend, you can tell the story. Well, I know it's hard. It's like, this is what, you know, they're so great in so many ways. And you, you can actually quantify that they're a wonderful person, but they're human. And we're praying too that their humanity Gross. And we're, I'm not talking about gross, compromising, terrible things where people are abusing people. I'm just talking about those, like, those compromises where it's like immaturity and they're, they haven't learned yet. Maybe they were abused growing up or they had something going on and they're still growing through that. And I've been watching people in their 60s and 70s go through inner healing and deliverance like I've never seen before. 
And for somebody to change at 60 life behavior, behavior patterns is one of the biggest miracles. But it's happening all over. Deliverance is happening all over. And I'm not saying I'm doing it. I'm just saying, like, I'm hearing my friends who are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s who are telling me stories of how they're changing lifelong patterns that they just thought was their normal. And God's giving them a new normal. And I say this because when you're not connected relationally to a person, you hear something that's compromised or a little different or whatever, you immediately discount them, judge them, come into, especially if there's performance issues. If you're in a performance, not in a relationship, you hear other people and you think, oh, they're in trouble and that's ugly and that's terrible. And so we hear about other churches and groups and we immediately discount things that God's doing other places because we might've heard something that doesn't look like us. Or we might've heard that the daughter's pregnant of the pastor or this person's going through this or that person's going through this or they've made this kind of choice. And we immediately discount them and we don't look at where our heart's connected, but the people we're connected to, we make lots of excuses for without even knowing we're doing it. And what God wants to do in this next season is he wants to push us all forward, but he also wants to give us grace for each other's pace. And he's going to give you connection to people where if they're your family, you have grace for them and you have, you can tell their story and you can actually be in the long term with them versus saying in the immediate season, they better change or they're out. Because family, you have no choice. I have people in my family that I would never choose. And I love them. They're amazing. But I would never choose to say they were amazing and be close to them. But I get them. Because God said, this is your family. And that's how the body of Christ is. You guys, we are a part of a body here in this region. We're part of the body worldwide. And God's connecting this to people. And we're going to start to see a couple things. One is the great... Uh, shaking, where God's saying, I'm going to deal with iniquity, and it happens in the church first. And iniquity isn't just gross, terrible sin. It's wrong belief systems in our spirit and our mind. And he wants to address it. And the beautiful thing is a lot of people, their repentance will just be, they see truth and they learn how to apply it to their life, and it's done. And then some people are going to go through a lot of stuff to figure that out. And we're going to have to love both types of people. And that's super hard. But I say, why am I saying this? Because in the great maturing that's coming forward, a lot of people who have unresolved issues for years who are still maturing in God are gonna come forward and we're gonna have to love them through the weak areas and not just judge them and marginalize them and say, okay, well, it's just too hard. It's too complicated. There's too many things. And our secret key in this to trust God and to be faithful to our relationships is to allow God to bring his deliverance power in the church that's not based. I'm like Tammy. I'm a life coach. I spiritually advise. I naturally advise. I do a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of training and a lot of coaching in the entertainment industry with business people. And what's interesting is I have found that what God can do through one moment of deliverance we're talking about spiritual deliverance. It doesn't have to look like the TV shows or the movies where it's like a demon manifest for three hours and the person's exhausted doing it. I'm not talking about that kind of deliverance. I'm talking about when we recognize there's spiritual powers that are holding this and that 25 counseling appointments may not change the situation, but Jesus can in one moment. Why do I bring this up? Because I believe that God is gonna bring a move of deliverance on this church. And it's not going to be traditional. You don't have to start all kinds of new prayer teams. We don't have to be trained in 30 methods. I believe that God's going to bring people who recognize that their issue that they're dealing with in their marriage or their issue with their children or their child's issue is not something that they can battle with natural tools. And there's going to be a reputation on this church that God did something in the spirit that set the natural free. There's going to be a reputation that I tried to get over this for many years. I did all the right programs and it did not work. And instead of being a victim, I went to God and God did something. And now hear me, I'm just going to, I'm going to reinstate this. 
that deliverance is a beautiful process and we, we love that, but we don't want to be always known for deliverance because then all kinds of people come that we don't necessarily want to know. But if you'll allow God to give you a reputation that breakthrough happens here and that there's power in your, in your spiritual prayers that can defeat spiritual darkness, that arise and shine for your light has come. See, thick darkness is covering the earth, but the Lord is choosing you to bring his light from, and there's people who are gonna come from afar bearing their children, and they're gonna come here, and you will be known as a place of deliverance and breakthrough, and that means people who need deliverance and breakthrough are coming, and that's complicated. Some of you are them. Some of you realize how complicated you are. Some of you are like, oh, I'm, I'm the drama? I didn't know I was the drama. <laughs> Agabus in Acts chapter 11, he was known as a prophet and he came in this place of Antioch and it was a place where they had an amazing move of God happening and, and it was kind of the hot seat of the church. And Agabus rose up in that time and he said, there's about to be a famine in the land. And the intention of him saying there's about to be this hard thing that happens in our nation and all throughout Rome was because God was gonna give wisdom, strategy, and actually relief to everybody who didn't have the word, especially the other believers. They, they were gonna prepare for what the famine was and they were gonna live famine-proof. They were gonna live in a place where they were thriving in the midst of it. I think of like what it would be like for Joseph to be in Pharaoh's court. You could either be the Israelites who are like dependent on the, the, the Egypt to feed you because you're gonna die because the family's coming and you're hoping that God will bring deliverance. And then you find out one of your people's in the Pharaoh's courts. Oh my gosh, Joseph's there. Thank God we're saved. Or you could actually like the better part of the story to be the Joseph. To go, isn't God the one who gives dreams? Like, wow, yeah, like this is what I was made for my whole life. I can serve in this place and help bring the relief, help bring the strategy, help bring the wisdom. And I believe that God's setting people free from being the ones who need to be delivered and really getting that mindset that says, like Agabus, there's, we know some things are about to happen in our nation. And it doesn't mean it has to be scary because we, have, we don't really have unemployment, but we have a recession because of all the interest rates and all the inflation and all the stuff. But it could be corrected in like two years with the right people up top. It can be corrected in five years. It doesn't have to last for our children's children. And a church like this, the beautiful thing is, some of you are being positioned like the Daniels or some of you are having the word like the Agabus and you have the hope in it that says, we don't have to worry about the inflation. Do you realize when inflation was at an all-time high in the 80s and, and interest rates were between 18 and 22%, that four to 6,000 houses still sold a day in the nation? That two million houses in the worst year of inflation still sold. And today, like six million houses, you know, sell in a year. But it was two million then, maybe today it's a little bit more, but uh, in a normal year, like six million. So there's still a quarter of the houses were still being sold. And who were those people buying the houses? People of faith. People who said, I'm not gonna let 18% hold me back. My family needs a home and I'm gonna do this. And I feel like there's people right now in this church that God's saying, you are an Agabus. You are somebody who has a, inside of you, you know God's gonna do something in the midst of the darkness. What, what the enemy is saying, this is what God will not do. What a lot of Christians are saying, we gotta prepare and hoard rice and canned foods. Well, I don't even understand this. We need to store, but we don't need to hoard. And uh, toilet paper and whatever, you know, you are the agabus that says there's enough for everybody and God will bring relief for all. And he's gonna bring strategies where people say, Jesus saw this and he cared for us. He loves us. So I want y'all to stand. The three things I want you to hear from all this is that there's a move of God coming and you're, you're part of perpetuating it. This church, God's gonna 
raise up to more influence. He's going to raise up more people who are, the great maturing is happening in Orange County, and he's sending a lot more people to you guys, and this is going to be beautiful. Number two is that deliverance is going to happen. It needs to be part of your culture. It needs to be an expectation that when somebody comes up and says our marriage is going through this, that your first thing isn't tools of counseling, although that should be part of it, but that you actually have faith that God could change the story. Have you ever had someone tell you, um, you know, like I have cancer and then you, your flesh immediately tells you they're gonna die? Like you try to pray for them, you're like, I think they're just gonna die. Like they're in stage four, there's no, but your God's spirit in you goes, okay, it's okay you felt all that. Now move all that out of the way. Now ask me what I'm gonna do. And sometimes we, we have a report where somebody tells us we're going through this, we're doing this, and our flesh man goes, yep, that's what you're, you're gonna fail. It's gonna be terrible. But your spirit man, will, God inside of you will say, but God. So deliverance is about to happen. The third thing is you guys are gonna have a different report than most every other church in Orange County because even when things are dark, you're gonna, you'll have people living recession-proof and interest rate-proof and inflation-proof because you heard God and fear-proof and anxiety-proof. So I want you to lift your hands and I wanna pray over you that God would give you a vision for your life over the next 10 years without the enemy and without the things you've struggled with. I pray over you that you would see yourself as Jesus saw you at this stage in your life, which is resourced and healed. Before he created you, he saw you healed and resourced and healthy and in awesome relationships. And God, we pray that you bring alignment between our current circumstances and your vision for us. Ephesians 2, 10 and 11 says, before time began, you prepared us for good works and a destiny. You knew us before we were in our mother's womb. I pray that you would show us something right now of what you saw then. Maybe, maybe we're not in alignment yet, but you're gonna give us a huge hope for our future. And I just see what Tammy was saying. Seeds are going into your spirit right now for the next decade. Seeds are going into your spirit of faith. This is a time that's different than any other time. And if you need to wake up, wake up. Because your best is yet to come. Last thing I do is I wanna pray over the church influence. I kept seeing, I know I'm over my time by two minutes. I kept seeing um, the buildings that you're getting and the things that God's doing. I heard before, I didn't know that was happening, but I kept hearing you're gonna be not a campus, but a city on a hill. And the Lord is saying that he is gonna use you as a program, a pilot program for many other churches to see what it's like to be a city on the hill. Exactly Jesus' first you know, message that he wants to show off what a city on a hill could look like. And he, and he kept showing me new streams of revenue and income, new streams of revenue and income that it's just going to keep going. And then he showed me that he's going to take the rhythm of the activities you do, like women of influence and the music and everything else, the rhythm of it, where it's been seasonal, like seasons of moving forward, and then it's kind of quiet, seasons of moving forward. And he says, I'm in control of the rhythm, and I'm going to bring consistency of rhythm behind these things, where they won't be activities or events, but they'll be culture and life. And so this year, you're going to see the rhythms and the right people coming alongside. And a lot of the leaders here have had to have had to hold the ground. And it's been hard because they're holding ground over four or five things. And the Lord is saying, I'm bringing the ones who will hold that ground and the rhythm, the consistency, the, the not just the moment by moment, but the every moment is going to start. And I just kept seeing the Lord is saying, I am in charge of the rhythm. And he's going to start to allow things to have fruit in and out of season and to have fruit like the planted by the river 12 times a year. It's just going to have fruit all the time. And I felt like the Lord was saying, uh, he's preparing you for capacity as a leadership team to double 
over the next two years to double your leadership team, especially executive leaders, to double over the next two years. That it's a time of doubling. It's a time of a double because you you need to export so much more. And what you guys have done up until now has been training ground, and the training wheels are off for what's happening in the future. So I bless you guys. Love being.